0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talk Gnosis After Dark. I'm Father Tony. That's Jonathan. We're going to talk about some scary movies. I really want to get into this really quick because our guest, Deacon John D'Gilio, um brought up right at the end of our video recording a uh, movie that I have a lot to say about, uh, As Above, So Below. So, uh, Deacon John, can you give us a quick synopsis? Oh,
1: brother, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not true. I mean, the gist of it is uh, you've got some explorers who have... Uh, gotten the lead on the possibility of finding the philosopher's stone, and it takes them beneath the streets of Paris. Uh, throw in, you know, the awesome catacombs, uh, a little bit of Templar lore, uh, <laughs> a little bit of Greek, uh, some Satanism. Uh, have I forgotten anything? I mean, they really went for broke on this one. They, it was a real melange, if you will. <laughs> Uh, and
0: I will um the when I first heard about this movie I was pretty excited right because I'm like oh well, they're gonna have a you know a kind of a hermetic alchemical uh horror movie I you know I could be into that and it's, you know combining some of my interests but um the execution before I even saw the movie I knew it was going to be trouble because I heard an interview with the filmmakers uh two brothers I believe um who who made the film and uh they were being interviewed by somebody who clearly knew what they were talking about, as far as kind of the esoteric stuff, and uh, and you could tell they just had no idea at all. Uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, we just read some websites and we threw it in the scripts." I mean, you know, Wikipedia—that's how you make a movie these days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so going into the movie, I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." And then even even as a horror movie, it's
1: just not very good Uh, I don't know no I mean it has its moments Um, it has jump scares exactly and you know probably the most significant thing to me is if you've ever been in the catacombs of Paris uh, a you know just how amazing it is but B it's very rare that people get to film down there and this was actually filmed yeah in the catacombs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, specific parts of the catacombs. So, you know, the skulls and the bones that you're seeing, those aren't props. Right. You know, that's that's the real deal. Unfortunately, like you said, our, you know, as we were mentioning earlier, with movies like this, there's a certain degree of Gnosticism that I think, you know, you can't avoid because, you know, some of these things are universal. But once people realized, as I said earlier, that Some of these concepts sell, you know, the the whole Dan Brown idea of, you know, conspiracies out there to hide treasure and, Mm -hmm. you know, power. That's what draws people in. So they did. They chose this wonderful hermetic phrase that appeals to anybody who's read the material. And you think, boy, as above, so below, this is going to speak right to me. And then, you know, you get into the movie and they're talking about the Templars. And then all of a sudden it goes downhill from there. (laughs) <laughs> As I said, once the Satanist group sort of appears, then you start to really wonder what you've brought into.
0: There was one scene that I enjoyed, and it was towards the beginning of the movie when the cameraman is crawling through a very small space, like they all have to crawl through this very small space, and the cameraman ha- is a little bit uh, claustrophobic. Apparently the actor who played that part was claustrophobic. is, is claustrophobic in real life. So the scene happens where he actually, he has a panic attack while he's crawling through that, this tiny little space in the catacombs. And this panic attack felt very real. And it was so obviously different from all the rest of the movie. turns out he actually had a panic attack filming <laughs> that scene. So, you know, in, in the interview with the filmmakers, I heard that. And uh, I really liked that scene. And I thought that if the rest of the movie could have been as authentic as that, then, you know, but... Oh well. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> uh, Jonathan, pick another one. We'll. Uh...
2: Oh, for sure. Um, uh, you already mentioned it, but but definitely Frankenstein, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's even more gnostic than 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 you could ever imagine. Particularly the book, uh, and I think some people might be even more surprised by that when they think about the the cliches and stereotypes of the, of uh, Frankenstein. Uh, in the the original book is uh which I haven't read in a long time, but is uh much more a philosophical treatise on on existence than, than a scary story. And the Frankenstein monster in that is is kind of a, a, a philosopher who is actually quite articulate on like the mm-hmm. grrr, that we sometimes get in the movies. Fire Bar. and 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 for being Gnostic um you know, it was written by Mary Shelley. Both her parents were philosophers. She was a philosopher. She was married to uh, one of the greatest poets of, of the Romantic age. Um, I, You know, she was writing in the 1800s. I don't know if she had any access to, to Gnosticism in particular. But, you know, she was well-read in philosophy, even though she was quite young when she when she wrote it. Uh, she was reading a lot of Milton. Uh, there's uh, an idea that, that Dr. Frankenstein might have been based off of an alchemist Um So, you know, I I have this... uh, When we talk about, you know, is this Gnostic or not, I think us as Gnostics, uh, we're going to see Gnosticism... We believe the Gnosticism will pop up even when people don't mean it because we believe it to be true, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be uh, popping up all over the place because it's in the collective unconscious. I, I think in the case of Frankenstein, even if she didn't know about Gnosticism, and she could have, or she could have known a little bit about it, she was reading the kind of Write philosophy and write religious tracts and thinking critically on the Bible and hearing about alchemists to sort of uh, recreate it in a very authentic way. Yeah. so it's a uh, everybody go go read Frankenstein and and you will find it to be a, a very gnostic tract and and just like uh, Father Tony said, uh, you know it, it's right there. You know Doctor Frankenstein is a demiurge, and uh, the poor the quote unquote monster is is his poor creation uh, rebelling against his creator. Uh, and in some ways, you know the 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 monster is the doctor, and the hero is the uh, the, the creation. Right. Um, getting that to movies hasn't been all that successful except in, in one case, which I highly recommend everybody uh, listening or watching this, uh, and uh, my two, uh, uh, you two, Father Tony and uh, Deacon John, if you haven't seen it, is uh, Bride of Frankenstein from the 1930s. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an extremely Gnostic film, um, and you'll watch it, and you'll wonder how the director got away with it. In it, Frankenstein is, is Christ. Uh, he comes back from the dead. He's crucified. Uh, the, the director uses a lot of uh, beautiful, though sometimes heavy-handed um, uh, religious symbolism. The Stations of the Cross are there. Uh, uh, it's, it's for for a conservative time uh, in the 1930s, he, it's, it's shocking that he quote-unquote got away with it. Uh, and he really uh, teases out the Gnostic themes from the novel. Um, and uh, it's also beautifully shot and wonderfully acted and, and it's a classic. Uh, I, I was reading a little bit about it the director, James Whale, did, did the classic 1930s Frankenstein uh, but he didn't want to do any more horror movies uh, and the studio kind of made him do this one uh, in exchange for doing uh, kind of artier films that he wanted to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he had both carte blanche and he was tired of doing horror movies uh, so he, he made this, this very strange religious film, this, this very strange Gnostic uh, 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 parable. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely check that out. And uh, I think uh, if, if you look at it through Gnostic eyes or or just uh, clear eyes for symbolism, you'll be shocked that he got away with it and that nobody really seemed to notice at the time.
0: That's interesting. I haven't seen it. I'll have to. I'll have to see if it's on YouTube or something.
2: I I was really surprised because I, I kind of knew about the sort of esoteric and philosophical underpinnings of Frankenstein. So I remember trying to read it when I was a kid and expecting, you know. A scary story, and and then finding it boring, and, you know, going back later and being like, "This is cool," and then kind of only recently did I see Pride of Frankenstein*, and uh, um, and just uh, uh, was really quite blown away. So, all right,
0: all right. Deacon, John, Deacon John, your turn. Pick a movie.
1: Boy, <laughs> I keep saying that a lot tonight. Uh, you know, for me, I'd like to go back to one of the ones that we mentioned earlier. Uh, when we were doing the video, um, and that was They Live. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because, again, I don't think it's something... I guess if you grew up in the 80s, you've probably seen it, but I don't think a lot of the younger set has seen it. And interestingly enough, with the political campaigns going on right now in the United States, we're starting to see it being used in a meme involving Donald Trump. (laughs) and I've seen it now several times and people have said to me they don't understand it so you really got to see the movie They Live because again for anybody who's been fascinated by The Matrix you know The Matrix had a big budget and an amazing story behind it of course big name actors They Live didn't have any of that but a very similar underlying story in that in many ways we're all asleep Mm -hmm. and you know, the world around us is being fed to us. In, in the case of they live, um, you know, humankind is kind of going through the day in a semi-dream state, if you will, and there's another race that lives among us that is indistinguishable, and in and if you, you know, take that to the Gnostic side, it's almost like the archons mm-hmm. you know, are walking among us. And they control the messages that you are receiving. And you actually end up then seeing the world through the messages that you are receiving. And, of course, in the movie, somebody invents a pair of glasses, I believe.
0: Yeah, sunglasses. You
1: know, using those sunglasses, you're able to see things for what they really are. And you can see those messages hidden in billboards and in advertisements. But you can also see those other beings that are walking among us. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the whole gist of the movie is this is unacceptable. You know, this is what brings the, the whole uh, uh, explosion, you know, into the movie is the fact that we're not meant to see that. And what happens when you realize that what you thought was reality is really being fed to you or, you know, you're getting it through some kind of blinders or, um, you know, filters, whatever it may be. So Mm -hmm. it really, it was a cheesy movie in its time, yet the theme was fascinating, and it's interesting that what we're seeing today now, as I said, with these internet memes, is all of a sudden somebody's connecting political campaigns to They Live, and you stop and you say, oh, you know, here's a classic example of do we believe and buy into what's being fed to us, or are we able to see through it? So... You know, again, just a really cool throwback movie worth watching.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and really captures that kind of Gnostic existential dread, right? And and almost the, and I well outrage because he's he's certainly outraged when he finds out what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that's that's kind of that. There's a, there's a part of that to Gnosticism that you know once you kind of start to understand the processes that are involved with whether you call them archons or you know just the way the world works or or however it is you, mm-hmm. th- there's a point where you feel a little bit outraged like this is the what is it what is it that um uh that they say that in the matrix um the matrix is the world that's been pulled over your eyes to shield you from the truth hmm yeah that's that's absolutely what's going on here
1: yeah and that's the thing with with they live is you know at the beginning of the movie the people who are being hunted down are the ones that have the sunglasses mm-hmm. they're the ones that are about to distribute them so it's the people who are trying to help others see the truth who are you know being hunted down at the beginning of the movie and of course you know in true Gnostic fashion nobody believes anything they're being told until the glasses are put on. Yeah. So it sounds like a bunch of nonsense until somebody looks through these glasses and sees something different. So in many ways, you know, there's your Gnostic story. You know, who are the hated, who are the persecuted? It's the people who are trying to bring the truth. What's the of of, you know, self-realization, of having a moment of the Gnosis? Being able to see the truth and how it changes your world. So... Who would have thought Rowdy Roddy Piper as a Gnostic savior?
0: <laughs> that movie also features one of the most awkward fight scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, <laughs> when he's trying to give the glasses to the the second guy there, I, I forget who even plays it, but um, they're fighting in an alley. And the fight goes on for about 15 minutes, right? And it's like, yes. <laughs> it's like just put on the glasses. And they're punching each other why are they fighting right now what is going on it was really bizarre and weird but you know i guess if you th- have a wrestler in your movie you gotta have an extended fight scene <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yes i second that it's a, a legitimately good movie and holds up and uh and if you haven't seen it go find it and definitely watch it Um reminds me of a movie that isn't exactly a horror movie but it has some horror elements to it uh, called Branded. I think it came out 2010, somewhere around there. Um, not a lot of people have seen it. It's a, a smaller movie, uh film mostly in Russia. Um, a lot of the movie takes place in Russia. And uh, <clears throat> it's about a guy who has this kind of religious experience, uh, awakening kind of a thing where um, God supposedly uh, instructs him to build this um, uh, sacrificial altar, and he brings in a, a bull to sacrifice in this mm-hmm. altar. He lights it on fire, and then he can see um, he can see the embodiment of brands. Uh, so, like the McDonald's analog, of course it's not McDonald's, but um, is like this kind of blobby, yellow and red monster that attaches itself to people and makes them crave. <laughs> yeah, you know, fatty foods and uh, a very similar kind of thing. Like once he goes through this process, he can now see those uh, forces that are uh, that are kind of controlling people's impulses. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it, it's a a different a different movie. It's not um, it takes itself more seriously I think than they live. Um, whether it should have or not, I don't know. Uh, but it was uh, it was an entertaining movie nonetheless. So. I've recommended that to a number of people, and I don't think anybody ever goes and sees it. But, <laughs> but I think it's on Netflix, so if you have a chance, go, go take a look at that. Have either of you seen that?
2: I haven't, but I'll check I, it I, out.
1: I have. Yeah. Ah. It wasn't too bad, right? No, it's actually, again, it's one of those things where it did take itself very seriously. Of course, there were moments when it's, you can't get around the camp. Yeah, um, you
2: really can't. But the message is there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, one that I highly recommend and, and are pushing on people, and will probably rewatch uh, during this long, cold Montreal winter, <laughs> um, which is which is also approved for my partner. My, my my wife's a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as uh-huh. am I. And a few few winters back, we watched that. But the spinoff of Buffy, Angel. Uh, is um, and becomes uh, intensely Gnostic Uh, and I think deliberately so as in you know the writers are are reading Gnosticism or reading about Gnosticism and work it into the plot. The first season of that show is almost unwatchable. (laughs) It's about a hunky vampire detective who moves to LA to solve crimes and and fight evil.
0: With an inexplicable Um, Irish guy.
2: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, well, they do flashbacks. David Boreanaz is the actor who plays Angel, the, the heroic vampire, and he he has probably the worst Irish accent I've ever heard anyone do. <laughs> um, it's like uh, they didn't hire
0: him for his acting skills. <laughs> no,
2: no. So just skip the first season. Start it off at the at the second by the by the fourth and fifth. It, it's uh, it, it becomes uh, an amazing Gnostic parable, and uh, uh, have you seen it, Deacon John? Because um, uh, a lot of the action revolves around a, a law firm in in Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> Interestingly enough, I have not. <laughs>
2: Get the first season started up, but um, uh, you know I, I've been noticing the Gnostic themes. But uh, a few years ago, on a uh, literary website called The All—that's A A-W-L, W L—there's a very good article by someone who's uh, who's versed in Gnosticism, and it's called uh, "The Theology of Angel in the City of Demons," and he really kind of uh, you know explains how it is a, a, a Gnostic uh, a, a Gnostic tract, but. Uh, um, just to talk about some of those themes, but you know, the, in in the show, there's 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 this good force called the Higher Powers, but they're they're distant. Uh, they speak in riddles, and they're almost separate from Earth. Where where evil, uh, evil demons, the Archons, we'll just call them the Archons. The Archons literally live on Earth and run a law firm and like try to do bad and rule the world. Uh, and it's, it's a very literal interpretation of Gnosticism in some way. Um, <laughs> And yeah, insert the...
0: insert lawyer jokes here yes
2: yes yeah. and, and of course there's there's a lot of lawyer jokes <laughs> um what else is I going to say about angel but yes yeah so so hunky hunky vampire detective uh spin-off of a, of of, of a, um, a teen television show uh, is very good and gets very dark um actually like Buffy by by Buffy five season five or six it also gets very dark but like the last season of angel is one of the most depressing things you'll see on television, particularly for 8 p.m. Uh, uh, primetime, like it's up there with True Detective season two or The Wire or something. It is very, very bleak. <laughs> and uh, you won't be expecting that.
0: Yeah, interesting. I watched that all the way through on Netflix so not too long ago, maybe a year or two ago now, actually at this point. But yeah, I, I, um, I don't tend to think very critically about media as I'm experiencing it. I, I think we've talked about this before, like I, I'm i happy to watch a movie or a television show and just let it go by and say, oh yeah, that was nice. But then, you know, I don't, I don't typically spend a lot of time while I'm watching, I'm thinking about, oh, that's Gnostic because this, that, or the other thing. And so I don't recall, I mean, now that you're describing it, yeah, absolutely, there's a lot of Gnostic stuff in there, but I, I don't recall that um, jumping out at me why watched it maybe it's time to maybe it's time to binge watch it again
2: yeah I I think that also that leads me to another thought about kind of Gnosticism and horror films and horror uh, fiction and kind of other stuff that we think of as trashy and and I think now you know the um high high culture and pop culture the line is gone and people are critically uh you know right now to have scholars and critics uh, dissect television is very in mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. uh, and the it's you a know, golden high age
0: of television, right? That's what a the golden they say. age
2: of television, and the uh, the high and low line has been has been removed. But in previous times, if you wanted to talk about some of this stuff or write about narcissism, uh, your uh, previous writers and previous generations uh, used uh, horror uh, and other trashy, uh, quote unquote trashy. Um, genres to, to be able to do that because it got them paid and you know they'd write an entertaining yarn but they could also work in these deliberately work in this deeper stuff or talk about this deeper stuff that they actually wanted to write about you know a good example not horror but science fiction i mean phil k dick right mm-hmm. when, he, when he was alive he was writing dime novels uh you know he would write them he'd do a bunch of speed and write them in three days uh and he was uh he was he was not well regarded for most of his life he was thought of as a trashy sci-fi writer um and, you know in the last few decades his uh he's been kind of accepted by the academy and and by the gatekeepers of culture but uh you know he's not alone you know there's there's other people out there other contemporaries of his and before him uh you know who want to write a a parable about gnosticism or an esoteric a dark esoteric tale uh and obviously horror is i think is one of the best uh ways to do that because you already have the supernatural aspects and sort of the the existentialist thread Mm -hmm. that you can work in
0: Right, you have a shorter, you have a, a, you have less of a job to do to get the audience to uh, understand the concepts because they're already in the frame of mind. Like, okay, so uh, you know, ghosts can happen. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Dark City. Dark City is one of my uh, very favorite of the gnosticy movies. Again, not exactly horror, uh, kind of more suspense, but uh, yeah a very very good movie one of you know one of the best movies of the 90s and i don't say that lightly i think that a lot of people kind of gloss over it because the matrix came out almost exactly at the same time i believe
2: i believe it did yes and uh, i think critics and audiences you know saw some of the similar themes and plot lines and just you know all flocked to, to the matrix yeah um, and you know it was maybe being accused of being a pale copy of, of the uh, of the Matrix, but it's uh, I, I agree it's a fantastic film, and I think it's it's you know um, become better known and and better appraised since it came out, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, it's still not that well known, uh, and it's uh, again it's another one that I think is probably deliberately gnostic. They were reading it, and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think we can sneak it in there um you know it does sort of fall it's kind of sci-fi it's kind of thriller it's kind of noir but it it, it you know filmically you know, the way the way that it looks and the way that people act and some of the jump scares it kind of speaks the language of horror films yeah uh, and it, it does have the mood of a, of a creepy film from from a previous time so i I, I think we can uh we can definitely uh, uh count that for sure
0: yeah and the strangers like the, the you know antagonists of the film are definitely Um, intentionally creepy looking you know yes they're they're pale with long fingernails and and they dark trench coats and they kind of float around and yeah it's um, they're definitely kind of your standard horror movie monsters um, except that they just they they have more lines I think than than in a a traditional horror movie but um, just to go through the plot for those who haven't uh, haven't seen it yet um, uh, a man wakes up uh, in a bathtub um, and uh, is j- doesn't know where he is, uh, doesn't know how he got there. Uh, eventually, comes to understand that there's this group of shadowy, monster-y people um, who control the flow of time somehow, and can. Uh, when, when time is stopped can make changes to the world can make buildings grow and shrink and uh, people who are poor one minute can be rich the next minute after the the time restarts and uh, uh, You know these literal archon figures that kind of control this um, this world uh, that I won't spoil <laughs> the nature of <laughs> um, but yeah, you, sh- you should definitely watch it. And and so this guy kind of becomes the, the one who understands how all of this is happening and uh, there aren't a lot of other people who can see it, very similar to They Live and, and Branded and all those others that ha- have the same kind of a theme that he's the guy who knows what's happening and uh, he's trying to convince other people that, uh, that this is going on, but they don't believe him and they think he's crazy. That's actually a very common theme um, among the uh the the Gnostiki movies in general is that there's somebody who is um who is more aware than everybody else but then he is viewed as the crazy one you know yes. so uh J- John we're talking about dark city i know you dropped out for a minute there oh yes yeah so yeah this 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 kind of theme that the the one who is aware the one who knows is uh, looked upon by his peers, his or her peers, as um, <clears throat> mentally ill, and that's a very common theme among these uh, these various movies.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's what any of my atheist or agnostic friends who who watched a podcast probably think of me. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, we're putting this show out on uh, on, on cable in, uh, in the town of Chelmsford, where the studio is, and I can't wait to get all the letters and phone calls from the locals who are like, what the heck is happening right now? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, you want to bring up another one?
2: Uh, let me take a look at the list. Oh, uh, it's it's another one that's sort of on the. Oh, I guess I, I should bring up Donnie Darko, which again isn't a straight horror movie, but often speaks the language of horror movies, mm-hmm. uh, and you know uh, steals and borrows and references a lot of horror movies. Uh, definitely want to bring up Donnie Darko since it does take place at Halloween, and uh, Halloween uh, plays uh, importantly into the plot. Yeah. Um, that that's a movie that again is shockingly gnostic. It's it's a movie that's also. Shockingly, Philip K. Dickian to the point of they really should have cut his estate a check. Uh, <laughs> I was very surprised when I when I watched it. If uh, it it was a, a bit of a cult hit, I remember in the early two thousands, I hadn't met anybody who hadn't seen it. But jeez, um, how how do you sum up the plot of Donnie Darko? <laughs> can, you, can you do that, Father? Could you do <laughs> Or uh...
0: yes, um, uh, weird shit happens. Yes, <laughs> uh, right. I mean. Uh, it's uh, the the main character Donny, um, has uh, experiences that everybody else doesn't have. Right? Um, he's considered mentally ill. <laughs> in fact, he's in therapy in several scenes in the movie. Um, uh, he's under hypnosis uh, at one point, and and um, he takes medication, uh, you know, and, and all this stuff. But um, he uh, he's seeing a different part of the world. Uh, he has a premonition, kind of. Um, that something bad is going to happen um, But he doesn't know what it is uh, And uh, all he knows is that there's a countdown that he uh, he knows that after a certain amount of time something bad is going to happen uh, and uh, the rest of the movie is him kind of coming to grips with his revelation I guess um, and uh, Strange things and there's
2: happen. A, there's a seven-foot monster rabbit.
0: Yeah, seven-foot monster <laughs> rabbit that uh, yeah, I, I I just don't know. <laughs> so um uh the another kind of interesting thing about that movie is that there's a um well there's a time travel element to it, right? Like there's there's the idea that uh time travel is possible and you can uh, go back and forth. And um the the way that that is depicted visually is kind of interesting. Like, there's this kind of uh, liquid something coming out from the center of these people at this one scene, and it, it goes around the house, and people kind of follow. And it's it brings up these questions of free will versus determinism. Like, is this is this all supposed to happen? Is there anything that he can do to change his fate? And uh, at the end of the day does it even matter it, it's a it's a kind of weird movie but also um, a very good movie It has a lot of uh, good 80s music if you're into the 80s music so uh, <laughs> yeah Deacon you have another one that you want to bring up another movie
1: hmm I think I'm at a loss at the moment actually but give me a moment and one will come to me. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so uh, I would I would actually like to bring up Pan's Labyrinth, which again is not, um, mm. it, it's, it has horror elements. It's definitely, uh, you know, th- there are definitely scary moments. Um, it takes place during the Spanish Civil War, which is, you know, scary in and of itself. But uh, one of, honestly, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, the, uh, the the plot is that um there's this little girl whose mother is marrying a uh, a general in the Spanish army during the Spanish Civil War and they're fighting against these kind of uh insurgent freedom fighter kind of people and uh but her she, uh, she has these experiences of um fairies or spirits or other you know uh, nature spirits uh, um uh, pan, you know the goat-headed, uh, you know the goat-footed um, uh, creature, I guess, uh, with horns that she runs into. Um, the The story mirrors, in my opinion. I've I've had conversations with people who <laughs> who disagree with me, but the the story kind of mirrors the hymn of the pearl. Uh, that this girl is um, this girl plays the role of the the. Prince in the "Hymn of the Pearl" and uh, has been exiled to this world, or not exiled exactly, has come to this world to find something, but has forgotten uh, what she's there to find. And and uh, the the role of um, of these kind of fairies and and, pa- and Pan is to um, remind her of why she's there. But then there are points in the plot where you don't know who the the good people are and the bad people you know if they're if they have her best interest at heart or uh or all of it. and um so for that reason and for the you know the hymn of the pearl that's that's one of my favorite movies that has come out recently
2: yes um, i'll throw another, another one uh, in there if
1: mm-hmm. i may flatliners
0: flatliners sure yeah oh that's it's been a while since i've seen that one
2: Oh, I, I haven't seen Flatliners. Tell yeah, us about it. Yeah, someone give me the rundown.
1: I was going to say, that's an oldie but a goodie. You know, that yeah. was, uh, gosh, Kiefer Sutherland yeah. and, yeah. Uh, uh, boy, why am I suddenly what? blanking? It, it, was, it was, was Kevin it? Bacon Kevin is in Bacon. it. Kevin Bacon.
0: Was there a Baldwin in it? There was probably a Baldwin in it.
1: <laughs> there was uh, Julia Roberts. Oh, right. It. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the gist of this is is you've got a group of medical school students who has figured out that um, within so many minutes after death, it is possible to bring life back. And interestingly enough, as they're experimenting with this, of course, they're they're killing themselves. Mm-hmm. They're taking themselves to the point of medical death, the heart stops, and then seeing how long they can go before they begin to bring one another back. But they start to bring things back with them. And basically what they're bringing back with them are uh, injuries, if you will, from their, their past, things that they may have done wrong. So, for instance... Uh, uh Julia Roberts's character uh saw her father
0: Oh yeah, I think we may have lost him again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's right. So the uh uh and then there's another guy who was um uh, who bullied, I think, uh, if I recall correctly, he was, uh, he was a bully as a kid and, and the kid, one of the kids that he bullied, uh, he sees in his kind of death dream, whatever you want to call it. But then these things follow them back into the, you know, the normal quote unquote world. So yeah. Um, very creepy movie. Um, and, uh, you know, the, has has some interesting elements to it that I think people would like. I don't remember it as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, when when I Google, uh you know when we we're doing research for the show uh, or writing the notes, you know, when I Google Gnostic movies, one that kept popping up uh, that I really like is Cabin in the Woods, which is also yeah, a Walmart I wanted
0: to uh, I wanted to ask you about that because I like that movie a lot too.
2: Yeah, I I mean when I watched it I didn't find it intensely Gnostic but I think it's definitely there and again it's it's by Joss Whedon who who's a pretty bright guy and uh, as I said I think he deliberately worked uh, uh, gnostic fieves and the angels so he probably deliberately worked them into there uh, and I hate giving away the spoiler but it's in the the trailer and it's in within the first five minutes of the film so it's uh, a yeah. it's not a, a twist per se but uh, you know it's your standard horror movie setup of, uh, of a bunch of young kids going to party at a spooky cabin in the woods right but within within the first few minutes you find out that uh, that they're actually going to be uh, sacrificed to, to, the, to the Dark Gods, to the Dark Archons, the Demiurge, uh, who, who made and sustains this world in a uh, very specific uh, our ritual which uh, recreates what we know as, as horror movies, uses yeah. a template of horror movies. Exactly. It uh, takes the
0: trope of the horror movie and turns that into the main, uh, you know, plot device of the movie. It's very interesting.
2: Yeah, and of course there's there's a what the uh, just uh with with the demiurge and the archons kind of being there, these dark old gods are being sacrificed to. That's Gnostic. There's also this this idea again of kind of a a fake reality and a manipulated reality, Mm -hmm. uh, because they're uh, being uh, they're being basically trapped into a horror movie and it actually remade into. The cliches and the stereotypes that we see from horror movies, uh, against their wills, being controlled to to fit into these uh, these particular archetypes, you know, of, of the jock and the nerd and all yeah. these uh, all these other characters you know so well from eighty slasher films. Um, it's it's a very clever. It's also a very funny movie, uh, but it's still it's still pretty chilling, uh, and uh, it, it's also kind of fun to watch because it, it's it's also a high tech operation. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a secret military base underneath the cabin, and it's a kind of a mix of uh, of uh, uh, and it's it's hinted at that it might be a a, a government or a UN organization that's actually doing the uh, the, the sacrificing. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. How much to give away?
2: <laughs> How much to give away? If you haven't well, seen it by now. But all of that is actually basically revealed within the first five to ten. Yeah, and it was it was in the trailer when it came out, and there's still more frills and chills and twists.
0: There are, uh, definitely are, yeah.
2: Yeah, and of course, there's also sort of a gnostic theme about them kind of finding out the truth about all of this, um, and uh, um, uh, uh, bringing that gnosis back and see if they can bring it back in time.
0: Yeah, um, the uh, and it turns out it's well, <laughs> it the. If you've seen um, *Evil Dead* or *Evil Dead 2*, which is essentially the same movie, uh, (laughs) you'll recognize kind of the setup um, as as, you know almost that exact same thing. And uh, it's fascinating, fascinating in the way that that happens. So, uh, anyway, it's a great movie. Um, Yeah, Joss Whedon, fantastic cast, um, and and uh, and a really interesting premise. And you know what, I. It's one of those movies where you either loved it or you hated it, and I know a lot of people who just hated it. And oh, really? Those people are wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, anybody want a uh, last uh, last chance to bring in some movies here, some horror movies? All right, <laughs> that's a resounding no. <laughs> Okay, well then, let's wrap things up for uh, for this evening, uh, Deacon John. Thank you once again for joining us on the podcast version.
1: My pleasure.
0: And uh, your expertise is is greatly appreciated. And uh, I, I enjoy reading your uh, your reviews on your blog. Uh, why don't you Why don't you give your horror blog there?
1: Sure, it is um, <laughs> Splatterhouse Seven, and that's Splatterhouse with the number seven
2: dot com.
0: Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely worth worth a uh, worth checking that out. So go and do that.
2: We'll put in a link uh, when we put this up, and, and also maybe some photos of uh, jack o' lanterns made with turnips, which, by the way, I, I did Google uh, uh, during our break, and they horrifying, are right? horrifying, right? Oh, they're yeah. terrible. It must be hard to make too, because you know, a turnip, I mean, I guess a turnip be that big, but you know, it's pretty yeah, easy you to need, carve out You need something.
1: some large turnips. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: I like turnips. I don't want to. I don't want to think of them as awful, disgusting zombie Ben. But anyway, what are you going to do? All righty. So uh, I guess that'll do it for this evening. So thank you all for watching. Click on that Patreon link in the description and support us and uh, help us to make more and better shows for you that uh, that you might like. And for those of you who are listening along at home, we will see you next
1: week. Hello.
0: This has been a production of the Gnostic Wisdom Network. For more information about this and all of GWN's programming, please visit GnosticWisdom.net. The opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions of GWN, the Apostolic Joannite Church, or any other organization. This has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license, and is brought to you by the generous support of our patrons. To support our programs and become a patron, please visit Patreon.com Gnostic. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash G-N-O-S-T-I-C.